my breath when they dipped my head and I came up shiny and new. Found out about love in the back of my Impala where they laid my grandfather too. By the river where black folks hang out at the Chunday service is through. The river <laughs> lets to the ocean. I'll be running right back to running back to you. Let's do it again. Uh, what did I say? I held my breath when they dipped my head and I came up shiny and new. Found out about love in the back of my impala where they laid my grandfather too. By the river where black folks Hang out at the Sunday service is through the river, runs to the ocean. I'll be running back to, running back to you. Now let's run back to the beginning of the show, sweetheart. I'm ready. What's up, big dog? Good morning, good morning, good morning, and good morning. Welcome back to another episode of Wake and Bake. We it be Papa Mo. Yeah. I am your host this morning, Papa Mo. Uh, cultural analyst, cultural correspondent here to give you all the great things that are happening with blackness to blackness throughout blackness. Before we even get take another step, let's say good morning to the Bobby Pen of my Papa Door. Good morning to the lady of the house. Good morning. That. You know, you the Bobby Pen because you keep me together. All right. <laughs> you hold it down. Keep me in place. And then from occasion, clear out my ears. We appreciate the what? lady of the house. As always, we want to give a shout out to the Washington Informer Bridge, WIBridgeDC.com or at WIBridgeDC on all social media platforms. If you need to get the journalistic views of what's happening in blackness through blackness, while black, definitely go check them out. We also want to give a, a big shout out to our homegirl over at Tell Her This Podcast. Make sure you check out the Tell Her This Podcast done by my girl, Rochelle. Rochelle, play the clips, sweetheart. And there will be times where people know, like people within a family know I'm right, but no one will stand up for me. And at the end of the day, it's just like, they showed up like they always do. Anyway, disappointing. That really definitely hurt really bad. You know, I want your family to fight for you. I did. I thought that maybe somebody would. I will never lie about that. And that's what hurt. They did not. They did not. They never do. You're listening to the Tell Her This podcast, a storytelling podcast for women. Available now on all podcast platforms. 
NPR station near you, <laughs> tell her this podcast.com. Definitely go check that out if you're interested in women's stories or if you want to be abreast of what's going on with women. I find women very fascinating. So listening to these stories from the Tell Her This Podcast have been very entertaining and enlightening for me, you know. Uh, also want to give a huge shout out uh, to, well, we also want you to, not a huge shout out, also want you to go check out the new Blueprint newsletter, uh, bmobrown.substack.com to get the written machinations of all things that are happening with the new Blueprint newsletter. We have some paid opportunities that are very coming up very soon. The Black Ad Project is underway. The new uh, excuse me, the Blue Notes podcast is being produced on a monthly basis. Definitely check out our latest post, which is the Paul Ropes and Negro of the Week for the 16 HBCUs, the land-grant HBCUs, who have been resilient enough to survive the $13 billion underfunding deficit that they have experienced. So definitely go check out the new Blueprint newsletter at bmobrown.substack.com. The Lady House has put up the lower third in case you need to see it. Woo! Good morning. <laughs> is that it? Yeah, I think so. That's all the shout-outs? If you can't afford the $5, just let a nigga know. I'll put you on scholarship. It's not that deep. This morning, we have a few things we want to talk about. I want to thank y'all for giving us the grace and space and time to take a week off last week. Um, if you can't tell if you've been watching the show for four seasons, then you you and I and you and I and you and I know that this, is, this season is coming up to a wrap. You know what I mean, when we start taking weeks off and we start grasping at things to talk about and it gets more pop culture, recent news based, and you know, maybe it's time for us to take a second and, and retreat and think about some of the things that we want to present right here on Wake Up Bake with BMO. But as I'm saying that, I just want to say thank y'all for giving us the grace and space to take that time off last week. Uh, every time I put up, later, later house on those, every time I put up the, um, the Instagram story that we're taking a week off, we get a lot of engagement. We get a lot, oh, that's cool. Good for y'all. Thank you. We appreciate you. Or maybe that's nigga saying like, stay the fuck off. <laughs> okay. uh, and either way, we appreciate that space and grace. We do have a few things we want to talk to you about this week i do want to talk about jada but i will not be talking about jada until thursday i want to give uh i want to give her the proper investigation and looking into on a cultural sense just to see what the fuck really going on with jada pinkett smith although i have a feeling that her and i are very similar in a way uh but today i want to talk about something very sensitive that happened in my life that is happening to the people of southeast dc uh, I also want to spend some time talking about a recent move by Shaq and Allen Iverson. Uh, then if we have time, we may or may not uh, do uh, something regarding the Crown Act, but it is Tuesday, so we already know what Tuesday means. It's time for Sweetheart's Black Fact as well. So that's your lineup. Sweetheart, what do you think we should start with? The Black Fact or something personal? Or the Crown Act? Or Allen Iverson and... And Shaquille O'Neal, where do you think we should go? Mm, I guess we could start with the black fact. Okay. Sweetheart's black facts. You know, we, um, uh, very purposefully so. We don't, I don't do a lot of like stats and facts on the show. Um, if you're on TikTok, unfortunately, I'd be on TikTok from time to time. But if you're on TikTok or Instagram Reels or YouTube Shorts, you can find random black facts. That just seems to be a thing that you can you can pull from, and people will give you the history and etymology and the background of certain black things and black movements. But what I feel like is most important on this show um, 
is that we kind of interpret and carry those black facts into new thinking. So with that being said, sweet odd, the rare facts happening on Wake and Bake with BMO presented by Sweet Odd herself. Sweet Odd. Go ahead. Uh, this one's a little different today, though. Okay, here we This is not from, from our book. Okay. I actually did get this from <laughs> social media. So. Oh, perfect, perfect. <laughs> yeah, I also have a source. It's a damn shame that social media is out educating actual education systems. I'm looking at you, Florida, with your bitch ass. Anyway. Oh, uh, Micah said, missed y'all last week. Good morning. Hey, Micah, hey, good Micah. morning, man. Okay, let's see. Here we go. Okay, so this is Marion Stokes, a Philadelphia librarian who began taping whatever was on television from 1975 until her death in 2012. Mm -hmm. She made a total of 71,000 VHS and Betamax tapes, which is the most comprehensive collection of television during this era. She was able to pay for her recordings and storage space by investing early in Apple stock. Although she had never sent a single email, she managed to convince her friends and family to purchase Apple stock. Towards the end of her life, she had made so much money that she was able to store her tapes in nine apartments she had purchased over the years. According to film director Matt Wolf, Marion Stokes was interested in access to information, documenting media, making sure people had the information they needed to make good decisions. Due to her political activism in her early years, Stokes was convinced that the government was keeping surveillance on her every move, and she became extremely cautious about her recordings. She had every right to be paranoid as she lived through the Philadelphia move bombing in, in 1985, in which the FBI and Philadelphia police used a helicopter to drop bombs during an armed standoff with MOVE members. The bomb started a fire that eventually destroyed 61 houses and killed 11 people. Her work is currently being digitized by the Internet Archive, a nonprofit library of millions of free books, movies, software, music, websites, and more. A fascinating fact about Marion Stokes is her involvement in the civil rights in is her involvement in civil rights activism, Mm -hmm. particularly during the turbulent 60s and 70s. Before her extensive television recording project, Stokes was deeply committed to advocating for civil rights and social justice. She was actively engaged in protests and movements fighting for equality and an end to racial discrimination. Mm -hmm. Her dedication to civil rights mirrored her later mission of documenting media to ensure access to information for the public. In the context of her civil rights activism, Stokes' extensive television recordings can be seen as an extension of her commitment to transparency and the public's right to know. This lesser-known aspect of her life sheds light on the multifaceted nature of her contributions to society. That's all I got. Huh. Marion? Marion Stokes. Marion. Mm-hmm. Marion Stokes. I think that's Paul Robeson Negro of the Week nomination. Uh, right. yeah. uh, <laughs> worthy myself. Yeah. She had, you said, nine houses worth of television stuff? Nine apartments worth of uh, VHS tapes. What are on these tapes? Oh, I actually looked it up on the Internet Archive. It's things from like, um, you would find things like news broadcasts. So like, I don't think the moon landing would be on there because she started in like 75. So like things that happened on the news. Oh, she was recording things off of. She was recording television. Yeah, like literally like daytime, like soap operas. Oh, like everything. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. That's going to be very valuable. Right. Um. 
uh, at the at the new blueprint parlor this last one we just had we introduced the black ad project which if you're interested in just the name just let a nigga know uh, but part of that black ad project is investigating how black folks well investigating how blackness has been used in advertising mm-hmm. so watching her live tapes of daytime television to see how black folks show up in advertising mm-hmm. that's not something that you could just pull up on YouTube right that's something that has to be intentionally digitized and archived mm-hmm. so I'm very and you said it's the, it's, what's it called the digital internet archive what's it called yeah the internet archives see I've been to the internet archive if you've seen my series that I did with creative theory or Superman when I was doing um what are they called um the black ad reviews yeah. I'd be pulling those from the Internet Archive. Mm. Um, so this is that's 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 interesting. Yeah. Marion Stokes mm-hmm. got paid off of Apple stock. Right. I love it. Right. <laughs> I love it. Died in 2012 mm-hmm. as the Internet was born. She said she never sent an email. Amen. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Bless her. Oh God. Make sure family is good too. They Ooh. got stock too. Man, I wish I never sent an email in my life. Oh my God. <laughs> oh God. Thank you, Marion Stokes. We appreciate that. Right, sweethearts, black fact. Ooh yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, one on one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> sweethearts, black fact. <laughs> you know, that's all theme songs. Right. Um, we appreciate that, sweetheart. Why? Tell me this. Uh, before we move on to the next segment, tell me why you chose why Marion stuck out to you, and, and if you want to keep Marion on the screen, that's I understand. Um, I think it was a combination of the fact that. She was basically keeping a record of keeping an archive of history of, well, not even multimedia, but just like television. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we've had a lot of historical moments happen in the past several decades. So for somebody to preemptively realize that, hey, this might be worth something someday. Yeah. And then also her civil rights activism. And I was like, that's, yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. That's crazy. It's beautiful. It's a great story. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for the facts, sweetheart. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Now, let's get into something depressing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> some good mornings also. We got some good mornings? Natalie. Are people saying good morning to the lady of the house? Because I yeah. will jump through the screen now. Yeah. Okay, for sure. Yeah, Natalie. She said good morning, lady of the house in BMO. Hey, Natalie. And uh, Jordan. Good morning, folk. Lady of the house in BMO. Yeah. Are the people hey. making the fuss for my Papa Mo? No, no Papa Mo knows. That's no. all right. That's all right, though. That's all right. What's that shit on your head? That's what they're saying. Oh, wow. <laughs> all right, let's talk about um, something pretty interesting and important that's happening in D.C. right now. People know. I, like, um, people within the family I do like right. to follow uh, D.C. politics. Our boy, I think the camera quit on me. Huh? Um, I think, not I think, our boy Marcus Batchelor is running for office in Ward 8. And there's something interesting that's happening in Ward 8 that I saw through a couple of, I'd say, flawed perspectives. Um, uh, But as you know, sweetheart, during the pandemic, there was an eviction moratorium. That was called. Uh, where they didn't allow, they weren't allowing individuals to be evicted during this time because labor income and courts and uh, safety and social distance, it just wasn't, it would not be appropriate to put people on the street during a pandemic. So they paused it. 
those eviction moratoriums are have come to an end. I think it's been a year now. Mm-hmm. Um, and in places like Washington, D.C. and major metropolitan places, there are city programs that are designed to prevent homelessness. One of those programs is called the Emergency Rental Assistance Program, ERAP. ERAP is funded by the city year over year, uh, and it provides funds to individuals who have fallen behind on rent to prevent them from being evicted. Mm-hmm. Um, for the first time since the ERAP program has been open, at least that's what I'm hearing uh, ERAP has run out of money before the end of the year, before even the start of Q4. So in the first three quarters of the year, anybody who was experiencing late payments or couldn't keep up with the rent went to ERAP, was able to secure the housing. In this fourth quarter, though, that has not been the case. Trayon Martin uh, penned an open letter to the mayor of Washington, D.C., Uh, letting this mayor know that in Southeast specifically over the last three or four months, a third of all evictions have happened in Ward 8. That's crazy. A third, and you can put up the letter right now, sweetheart, but a third of all evictions have happened in Ward 8. This is before ERAP came, ERAP lost its funding, and now that ERAP has lost its funding, there is a fear that there could be even higher rates of eviction happening in Ward 8, Washington, D.C. Yeah. So uh, Treyon White, uh, a council member for Ward 8, writes this letter to the mayor. Uh, And again, ERAP is a program that is funded by the system, funded by the government to prevent homelessness. You can bring that letter down now, sweetheart, because the people are not going to be able to read the letter. But this letter basically says, Mayor Bowser, what are we going to do? We out of money. A third of the evictions have already happened in in my ward specifically. What can we do about it? Sweetheart, I would have thought uh, just that by hearing these statement in a democratic liberal esque black city, that I would have thought a lot of people would be like, "Damn, what are we gonna do? How are we gonna reinforce ERAP? How are we going to make sure that members of Ward Eight can catch up with their rent and they can still live a prosperous life?" Mm-hmm. But when I get into the comments and I hear the discussions about what's happening in ERAP and even how I heard about this to begin with, it was very negative. Really? It was very much so welfare queen rhetoric. Like oh, these people just wait until e-rapping can save them. Uh, we got to stop letting the government save these individuals. The government should not be responsible for people's rents, et cetera, et cetera. It was a lot of that going on. And of course the landlords was in there like, yeah, I ain't got paid in months. I, I, landlords are the devil. And if, if you ever thought about that, your dream was to be a landlord. I think you need better dreams. And I feel like, People who are saying stuff like that, they don't even realize you're one check away from being in a similar situation. That's where I'm going, sweetheart. That's where I'm going. Because the callousness that I heard these people talk about um, who were experiencing this this fear of homelessness, I don't think these people have been that close. Right. I don't think they recognize how close they are. So, sweetheart, I want to tell a story. Okay. And you could put up the, you could put up, you could put it up now. On February 14th, 2018, I was evicted from my apartment at 1432 R Street, Northwest DC. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. 
um, I was evicted from my apartment because I was not paying the rent. Now, Bimo, why wasn't you paying the rent? This is a very valid question because, you know what I'm saying, you should pay the rent if you want to continue to live places. I was working for a nonprofit and had been working for nonprofits for 11 years in my career at that time on February 14th. Um, uh, 11 years at the time I've been working in nonprofits, but about six, seven months prior to this February, I had a revelation, or maybe actually it was a year, a year prior to this eviction, I had a revelation that the work that I was doing in nonprofit was not beneficial to my community, was not beneficial to my mental health, and was something I was no longer interested in participating on this labor side. Maybe I'll do nonprofits when I get a whole bunch of money, I can start my own situation, we can raise our own money, we can do it our own way. But I found this out, while working and the last time i checked and excuse the campaign rhetoric i thought america was about life liberty and the pursuit of property or happiness not life liberty and the responsibility to pay rent so what i do i quit the job did i have another job lined up no but i wanted to step into entrepreneurialism i had some money saved up i wanted to do shows i want to work with artists so i did those things sweetheart now the shows you know what i'm saying they wasn't financially successful so the money I was supposed to be paying for rent, I was actually putting into the speakeasy situation. I was putting into show and tell four. I was putting into Taylor's album rollout. I was putting this all into the artists that I was working with at the time. Any dollar that I had, not going towards rent, it was going towards my ability to be happy. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And so, uh, I remember when I got the first eviction notice in the mail uh, and I freaked out. I looked for all the assistances I can find and I happened to stumble upon the ERAP office. Now to the individuals who are thinking that you can just go to ERAP, put your name on a list and then you'll get your rent. That's not how it happens. I went to ERAP, I had to like get an appointment that was two weeks away and if you get an eviction notice and then you're looking for assistance and somebody says they can help you in two weeks. You know what you're doing for two weeks? You're looking out the window waiting for the eviction man. Uh, so I went to ERAP, put my name on the list. They put me in classes. They took, they had me in counseling. They signed me up for food stamps. All of these processes and bureaucracies and things I had to go through just to be put onto the ERAP list. But as you can see in this video, I still got it evicted. How? Because E-Rap is not guaranteed. Period. It's not guaranteed. And so I started this conversation by saying the callousness that I am witnessing for people who are one step away from homelessness is ridiculous. Because I don't think some people, you can take the video down, sweetheart. I don't think some people have ever truly been that close to being homeless. Yeah. E-Rap was one thing, but I actually want to talk about the mentality of people who are waiting for the evictions in Ward 8 right now. A third of the city has been evicted and happening in Ward 8. Uh, when I was looking for this video, sweetheart, uh, I realized that the week prior, I went to Denver. I went to Denver to, to visit my mom. And I remember the only reason I was confident to go to Denver is because it was snowing in D.C. that week. Yeah. and they can't evict you in the snow. 
They can't evict you when there's more of a 50% chance of precipitation, which means, and they can't evict you while there is snow present on the ground. They can't evict you under 45 degrees. These are laws of evictions. These are things that a normal person shouldn't know. But when you are waiting for the eviction, man, when you are calling the hotline every morning to see if your apartment is on the eviction line, let me tell you something. It has nothing to do with, should I have got a job? Should I pick myself up by the bootstrap? Should I have fundraised the money? Should I have asked my parents? At this point, by the time I had got the eviction letter, I was like $10,000 in debt. Yeah. So what use would it have been to be paying $1,400 a month to still be evicted under a debt? Yeah. And this is what ERAP is for. So I... The callousness that I saw for the people who want to get rid of this program entirely was almost as if somebody had convinced them that in order to in order to uh, uh, maintain your position in this capital structure, you got to make sure other people are evicted. And I don't understand where regular people got that thought process. I don't understand where we got the thought process that like just because the government can help and will help that somehow the people that the government are helping are somehow less than somehow subjective of somehow need to be mm-hmm. marginalized, watched, graced. I saw some people say these ERAP folks need to be drug tested. It's like, why? What? <laughs> and then I think, not only I think about those people, so I was living on the brink of homelessness it seemed like for like six months because the evictions take a long time to happen. But then I also think about the the individuals who like are you just working to pay your rent? Right. Like, what are you doing with your life that justifies the rent that you pay? That part confuses me. I can understand. I can understand a motherfucker who risks it all, puts his rent money on the line to pursue his own happiness. I can understand that. And I can even understand that on an ignorance point. I can understand somebody who put their rent on the line to get their own happiness for material reasons. I can I can put those things together. What I don't understand is somebody who could put their life on their line to pay the rent. <laughs> that don't make sense to me. Working nine to five just to stay alive. Say it again, sweetheart. <laughs> Working nine to five just to stay alive. Working nine to five to stay alive. What happens if I take that job from you? Anyway, those are my thoughts, sweetheart. I thought this was going to be a much sadder section, uh, but it, it was not. I mean, it's still it's still sad. It's like, it's deep. Do <laughs> you remember me being evicted? Oh, you, and you know what's crazy, sweetheart? What's up? I would be evicted again yeah. in March of 2018. Yeah. No, wait. 2019. 2019. 2019. 2019. Excuse me. Excuse me. Yeah, because that would have been crazy. A month later. Yeah, I don't think they could do that. No, not a month later. A year later. Yeah. Literally a year and a month later, I would be evicted again. Why? I was doing the same shit. I did the same shit. So the next time, I mean, the next time you think about people who are on government assistance, I need you to divorce your mindset from this welfare queen, somebody who was abusing the system. And think about niggas like me who are just taking chances. Right. See, oh, I put the ground, I put the grinder down. See, uh, I may have come from a privileged background, but we didn't have, I didn't have a silver spoon in my mouth during that privilege. There was no 
bucket of cash that somebody could just give me so I could just live life and figure out what the fuck I wanted to do until it happened. No, I had to take chances and I risked my credit. I risked my life. I missed my sanity. I risked my housing uh, um, status to pursue my own happiness. And I'd love to tell you that after the second time I got evicted, everything went well. No, nigga, it took a, another year, a pandemic, a PPP loan, uh, uh, sleeping with Superman in order for me to get to a place, a stable. Now, sweetheart, what contract is in the is in the inbox right now? Don't say it out loud, but that's all I'm saying. You smell my rockets cooking. You were there when I got evicted both times. What do you think? What were your thoughts? Were you like this nigga here again? <laughs> <laughs> really? No. I was sympathetic and empathetic. I was, yeah, I was like physically there when you got evicted the first time. Yeah. 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 It was, it was, it was traumatic. <laughs> it's wild. Yeah. It was wild. And they, uh, if you put that video up real quick again, they don't do evictions like this anymore. No, they don't? No. They, um, they changed the law maybe two years and 20 maybe maybe actually the next year in 2019 they changed the law where like it's an eviction process so you have 40 hours to so the eviction people come which is the um the um yeah the what are they called marshals yeah. u.s marshals will come they'll knock on your door they'll serve your eviction papers they'll literally put you out and then they'll give you another paper that says okay your landlord says you have 40 hours during these times to remove all of your property wow. uh, to do all this back in the day as you can see in the eviction they yeah. came with about 15 housing insecure people and they moved everything about out that apartment in about 20 minutes yeah while you stood there <laughs> while I stood there yeah um, and basically grabbed what you could <laughs> yeah and there are things that I um that's my stuff on the street, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> that's not a random eviction. Yeah, that's that's my shit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and there are things that I have lost from that eviction, childhood memories, um, heirlooms, like memories that I won't be able to get back because they like either in the apartment because they didn't fully evict and pull everything out or people were stealing stuff off the street. I think my roommate at the time, his PS4 was snagged off the street by somebody who was just like waiting around. Um, but I called his ass and told his ass to come the fuck on. He was like, no, I'll be there in a minute. All right. <laughs> Take your time, brother. Um, yeah, what a time. What a time. Big shout out to Malik and Troy and the lady at the house for saving my life because I believe if those three individuals weren't in my life, I'd still be on that corner. Nah. No? <laughs> nah. Well, maybe Renelle would have came and got me. <laughs> my goodness. What a time. Uh, we got a few comments. What we got? Uh, Jordan said, "Well, I'm pretty sad." Damn, it is sad. Woo! Um, he also said, "Like my favorite Detroit group said, chances make champions." Yeah, you gotta take that chance, baby. Yeah, you gotta take that chance. Sometimes you gotta take that chance. Mm-hmm. Now, would I would I advise my child to do the same? No. Right. If if you yeah, just talk to me. Let me know so I can help you out. No. Now. But the question is, will hmm, I don't want to put my mama business in the street, but I'm gonna put my mama business in the street. <laughs> um, so, like I just said, I, I was raised in a particular privilege. Not to say that we was busting with money, but we also wasn't hurting for money. Could I have asked my mother 
for the funds that I needed to sustain the life that I wanted to live. Not at the moment. Because I feel like she didn't really understand your entrepreneurialism. Yeah, and maybe, and maybe to a certain degree still don't. Right, right. I mean, she's, she's starting to understand more now, but like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but no, I remember <laughs> when I did a... Um, who was that at? When I did a story for Bowie State. Yeah. And I realized they have a school of entrepreneurism, not a school of business. Yeah. It's a completely different school of entrepreneurism. I told the president of Bowie State at the time, I was like, my mother would think you're crazy. <laughs> my mother would have thought I was crazy if I told her I was going to school to major in entrepreneurism. <laughs> she would have thought I was crazy. That is wild, though, when you think about it. <laughs> you going to college to learn entrepreneurism? Yeah. She would have thought I was ridiculous. Boy, get your ass in school. <laughs> Go to real school. So no, I don't think it would have. I don't think if I told my mom, "Hey, ma, look, man, I need about forty grand so I can run these speakeasy shows and I can do these tours with artists. I ain't gonna make no money." <laughs> we might be able to afford uh, two cheeseburgers and a backwood after each show. But do I regret it, sweetheart? No. Not a minute. Not a minute. I got, I got, uh, uh, and the funny part is you can turn, you can take this down, sweetheart. Just begin to go into our music video. The funny part about this, so this is February 14th. This is Valentine's Day. Uh, me and a lady in the house relationship one? Yeah. Me and a lady in the house were planned on celebrating Valentine's Day. Uh, and the, and the, <laughs> and the funny thing is we were celebrating Valentine's Day. We were going to give each other the worst Valentine's Day gifts possible. So I was going to Trader Joe's to get a hard-boiled egg when the maintenance man told me the eviction man was coming. <laughs> and ironically, February 14th was the last day that they could evict me before they had to start a new eviction process that would have taken another six months. <laughs> they got me on the last day. What I tell you, it had to be at least 45. It was 47 degrees that day. Chance of rain was 40%, not 50 they came and got me. I called the hotline that morning. My name was on the bottom of the list. I thought I could get away with it. I couldn't get away with it. Evicted. Natalie said that's wild, the stuff on the street. On the street, baby. Mm. On the street. All right, sweetheart, let's do this. Let's take a quick break. Uh, we're going to watch our girl. Hmm. <laughs> Micah said, go to real school. There we'll are people her. that still say that about my degree now. <laughs> <laughs> and then Jordan said, you did get the worst Valentine's Day gift possible. Damn, I did. <laughs> the lady at the house got me a U-Haul that day. <laughs> God damn. Woo. I will say as a, as a, as a, if you want to put it in the category of blessing though, on February 20th, I got a payout from my retirement fund from teaching in New Orleans. Oh, damn. And it was enough to pay the security deposit oh, you did. for uh, the next apartment that I would get evicted from. Ain't that crazy? <laughs> yeah. I got a call from the retirement fund, from the Louisiana Retirement Fund. If February 14th is a Tuesday, let's say that Thursday, I got a call from the fund and they were like, hey, this... You know, this money's been sitting in this account dormant for the last five years. What do you want to do with it? And I was like, I need it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Send it to me. Send it to me quickly. All right, sweetheart, let's watch. 
Let's watch Delilah by my man Owen. Not that I don't miss Space by Odd Mojo. I just want to shake it up. Yeah, you know I mean, I want to shake it up. Why do you wait? I thought it wasn't in Auto Nice though. Oh, never mind. Let's go with Space then. I thought that was I thought that one was, was straight up. Let's go with Space. Let's watch Space by my girl Odd Mojo. We're not gonna watch the whole video. We'll be right back with more. Wake and bake with BMO. Of course, we'll have some. Excuse me. We'll be right back with more. Who wake and bake with BMO? Get your blunt manifestations ready. Yeah. Hey, yo, bro. Yeah, wake up. Where's my packages? Do it, y'all. 
I'm finding my place. Setting boundaries, you cannot. I need some space. Right now. Oh. giggling offline talking about whoever said music not a real degree never had to sightseeing. <laughs> Couldn't name a chord to save their life. And imagine telling Micah who went to Howard to right. go to a real school. Nigga! <laughs> Nigga, please. Don't right, we know wanna... what a diminished chord is to save their life. Couldn't... <laughs> Couldn't tell you the difference between major and minor. Right. Couldn't even give you the feels. <laughs> Niggas never even used romantic language what's before. What's a quarter note? <laughs> what's a, right, quick. What's right. quarter note, Let nigga? Me know. Uh, now. One, two, ready, go. Quarter <laughs> note, hit me. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking around. <laughs> what's one, a quarter? Two, <laughs> one, two, ready, hit it. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> we want to thank Odd Mojo for <laughs> allowing us to use space. Definitely check that out on all uh, streaming platforms. And definitely check that out on YouTube. My girl Odd Mojo, Odd Mojo, Mo Odd Mojo Jojo on all social media platforms. Space, we really appreciate that featuring my girl Really Real. Uh, directed and produced by my man Ken Dill, who showed up on Instagram right now. Like, he don't know where the, where, where the fuck we be at. That's all right, though. We appreciate you. You know what time it is, though, sweetheart. It's Tuesday, which means it's time for our blunt manifestations, and it means you go first. What? Okay. Right? I, I guess. Okay. Um... Strength. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, we, we go strength, courage, and wisdom. Uh -huh. Strength, courage, and wisdom. Um. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of things are are about to change and transform. Mm -hmm. So I'd like to manifest stability. Mm. Um, a sound mind. <laughs> yeah. Um, wisdom. Oh, wait, 
Strength, courage, and wisdom. (laughs) Yeah, good discretion. And abundance. Abundance. Yeah. Um... Okay, so <laughs> there I have a pretty amazing opportunity in the inbox. I have six days to respond to this opportunity. So I would like to manifest not fumbling the bag. Uh, let's not fumble that bag. So we definitely need some clarity there. Um... What's the opposite of stuck? Movement. Movement. I'd like to manifest some movement, sweetheart. I, I know that we're going to, we're going out of town to thug with our rounds uh, in about two weeks. Yeah. Two weeks we going out of town. Uh, definitely, definitely looking forward to that. But I'm definitely looking forward to to breaking some monotony of process and procedure so that we can find some new things. It's Tuesday. Uh, I don't know why I said it's Tuesday. That was weird. <laughs> I'm manifesting a good Tuesday. Um, so yeah, that's what that's what I'd say. I'd say, along with your strength, courage, and wisdom, and abundance, and uh, stability, also movement, safe travels. And I'm gonna throw a number out there. I'd, I'd like an additional $4,000. Okay. Not that I need it. I just want four thousand dollars. All right. Uh, and I want to put. I have a. I know an exact place where I can put that four thousand uh, dollars, and I want to make that happen. Would you like to share? Or no? Um. Huh. Um. It was recently revealed to me that someone that I work with and partner with very closely is looking for a job. Okay. And excuse the arrogance, but I thought I could prevent this person from ever having a job. I thought through our partnered content creativity we could create enough commerce that would protect this particular individual from an environment and arena that i think that they are about leaps and bounds better than i never saw this individual having to make a resume let alone also having to get a job and i feel guilty I feel guilty because I feel like it was my responsibility to protect this person from this situation. And they didn't ask me for this. They didn't say, this is what I want. They didn't say, this is my, this is your responsibility for me. They didn't even sign up for our partnered activity with that expectation. But in my mind, I knew that if we could execute this consistently and with excellence, that this person would never have to see the realms, arenas, stresses, of a job and by job I mean going to a place to do a thing outside of your passion under the vision of someone else 
So that's where I want to put that four thousand dollars. I I feel like if I can hold, if I can hold that off, I can hold that job off for just a little bit longer, we might be able to execute the way we need to execute once the abundance kicks in. Uh, if I don't fumble this bag, you you see what I'm driving at? Yeah. Should I feel guilty about that? No, it's not your responsibility. It feels like it is though. No. All right, then. I like the blunt then, I guess. <laughs> All right, Natalie sweet. says, manifesting wellness for my community. Who said that? Natalie. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Natalie, does the king hold wellness seminars? Because that would be popping. What? <laughs> wellness with the king? <laughs> what? <laughs> I want obviously I want to kick it with the king so bad. <laughs> I want to kick it with the king so bad. Uh okay. We got tai a couple chi more. With the king sounds fun. Huh? Tai Chi with the king. <laughs> tai Chi with the king? That does sound fun as hell. That does sound fun as hell. Uh all right. We got uh we got two more topics we need to get to. Maybe one. What's time we at? Okay, maybe just one more topic for the day. 48. What I got on there? I got... Let's talk about that, actually. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about Shaq and AI. Um, or what was the other one? Uh, Crown Act. And we got some more manifestations. Okay, go on. Kendall says, manifesting, never having to work for someone else again. That's real. <laughs> yeah, real. I work with other people. I work in partnership with people. Yeah. But for? Right. You know, that's a part of my, that's the part of my entrepreneurship my mom doesn't understand. Yeah. She doesn't understand how I can be independent. Like, you got to answer to somebody. Like, no, I don't. (laughs) Right. No, I don't. We can, the difference is we can disagree. He goes, all right, let's talk about Shaq and AI. So, um, oh man, I meant to put this up. I meant to put this up. But if you can, sweetheart, if you can see it real fast, I think it's called Governance Structure, BMO's Governance Structure, Progressive, something, something. Oh, if you see it, let me know. If you see it, let me know. It's the thing that we put up. It might be by Diddy right now. Um, yeah, there we go. Put it up for me. So as we talk about building new blueprints, as we talk about the development of uh, the development of blackness in society, there is an argument that has been going on. And actually, I first heard it at the parlor. There are some individuals who believe that reparations would make us complicit in America. (laughs) Yeah, reparations would make us complicit towards America's actions of colonialism, um, marginalization, genocide, etc. And so with that question, I've been thinking about what is liberation? What is the next point? What are we supposed to do after this now? Because I refuse to believe that the now is the future that we've all been waiting on. Yeah. 
Okay, so uh, on this chart right here, uh, we have the great before, enslavement, mimicry, mockery, segregation, tokenism, least independence, ownership, and then new blueprint. So I think that we are somewhere between least independence and uh, uh, and new blueprints, saying that to say that, uh, what's that boy name? T.D. Jakes is doing sustainable communities with Will Fargo. I don't know if that's necessarily sustainable. I don't know if we have independent communities and Diddy is always at a, already at a place where we are trying to depart from black. But then I saw something interesting, sweetheart. I saw, and you can put the picture up now, I saw that Shaquille O'Neal, who recently said he's trying to buy an NFL team flat out, no partners, right? Or an NBA team flat out, no partners. I saw Shaquille O'Neal, who's going to be one of the most richest black men when it all comes down, and Allen Iverson, who smartly put his money away so that he could get it now. They're both now employees at Reebok? (laughs) Here's why this is important. Here's why this is important. Um, When... When Kanye is stripped away from Adidas because of his foolishness, Mm -hmm. we quickly saw the value of a shoe devoid of its black representative is almost worthless. Adidas lost so much money in stock prices by not selling Yeezys, right? Mm -hmm. Also, they lost a lot of cultural clout by not having Yeezys. People are not lining up. People aren't talking about them. They're not viral conversations. They're barely being sold. If they are being sold, they're being sold like underground, black market, stock X type situations. Mm -hmm. Kanye is not necessarily canceled within the black community. So it's, it's just a weird situation where Adidas took away the black face of a white company sneaker and we saw that the value of the sneaker plummeted. Right. Click the next slides for me, sweetheart. When it comes to Reebok's history, do you know what their two top selling items are in the history of Reebok? They are the Shaq Gnosis and the Answer by Allen Iverson. And now the two individuals who were the face of those shoes, that's the Shaq Gnosis, click the next one, sweetheart. These are the AIs, these are, these are Iversons. You've seen these in the room. Yeah. I got because I wanted these so bad as a kid. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. These were the viral shoes when I was a kid. These were the rivals to the Jordans, right? Um, but even if you take out Jordan, if we take out Jordan, because I feel like Jordan explodes the curve as it comes to success, the only way that shoes have been profitable over the last five, six years is if they have black avatars. Right. So I'm confused where we are in progression if Shaq and AI who are the avatars for these Reebok shoes decided to be employees at Reebok rather than manufacture their own shoes. Right. Like, it's one thing to be an employee, but they're not, like, doing it in partnership with him? No. That, yeah, that's... Shaq and AI are now the president and vice president of Reebok basketball. Hmm. And this is a move that was done by Jay-Z, who became the president of Puma basketball, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and then that's how we got all those Puma deals. So, I'm, so in a, so in my head, while I'm having a conversation about is reparations the true liberation, I'm then also having the conversation like, okay, if that's not the case, is Shaq and AI being the president and vice president of Reebok, is that the goal? 
is the goal to inseminate blackness into these white, specifically German institution so that we can both experience cultural success? You can take the shoes down, sweetheart. Is that the goal? Or is the goal to build our own institutions? Right. But if the goal is to build our own institutions, I feel like the only way that Adidas is profitable is through slave labor. Right? That's the way these major shoe companies make money is that they have very low labor because they get their shoes made by children in other places. So if, if the goal was to build our own sustainable independent shoe company, would it be profitable? Assuming that we would have the, uh, we would make the moral decision to not have children make our shoes. I think it would be profitable solely for the fact that we would be the the face, like the representatives. So just as Kanye was the black avatar for Yeezy and Adidas. Hmm. Yeah. No, it just, it just makes me curious, sweetheart. It's a curious, it's a curious thought that Shaq, uh, who's, whose net worth is in 800 millions and, 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 and AI, who's a, a millionaire, not 800 millions, but also a millionaire, that these individuals would partner together to work at Reebok. Mm-hmm. Huh. Do niggas want to be capitalists? Do niggas want to be Americans? My man Nico brought up a great point that to accept reparations from a certain perspective would be to appease the evils of America. Not appease, to be complicit with the evils of America to accept your Americanness. I heard Dr. Carr say, it's foolish how niggas is running around talking about we built this country. And I've been niggas. But if that is the, but if that is the case, do niggas wanna be Americans? Do niggas want to be capitalists? Do niggas, is the goal to be the president of Reebok? Hmm. Hmm. What are your thoughts, Leon? I don't don't know if that's the goal, but also, because it's not like they own Reebok, so, you know? No, they don't own Reebok. Right, right. Somebody's still signing their checks. They employees. Exactly. They got badges. Right, right, right. So I don't know if that's the goal. But I'm just thinking about the other questions of <laughs> do niggas want to be American? I mean <laughs> Do niggas wanna be American? Somehow Shaq and AI are working at Reebok just somehow solidifies to me that maybe niggas want to be Americans. Maybe niggas want to work at Reebok. And if that's what niggas want to do, how does that factor into our 
pathway to liberation or is that liberation niggas working at, at, at Reebok right Natalie says maybe they're planning on buying it also in the realm of possibility mm. and then she also says Reebok is more affordable than an NFL team I'm sure gotta be yeah. gotta be mm-hmm. hmm as we've continually asked this question, what are we supposed to do with what are we supposed to do with these niggas with money? The question that the answer that rings out in my head right now is that maybe these individuals are trying to skirt the responsibility of labor. Mm. Cause that's what the other partnerships remind me of. When I look at Charlemagne and iHeartRadio, mm-hmm. when I look at T D Jakes and Wells Fargo. When I look even to a certain degree, I look at Diddy and Diageo, the black owned parts of those things have cultural value and aesthetic value. The operational and financial value lie on the other partner, other party. Yeah. So if I work for iHeart, specifically under Charlemagne at Black Effect, and I have a problem with the money. I'm pretty sure he's going to send me to the iHeart office. If I have a problem with my brand, or if I have a problem with how I'm being represented, then maybe he'll talk to me himself. But maybe these are just ways of of being capitalized without assuming the responsibility of labor. Because my Afro-optimistic ass says, if I became, if I owned my own Reebok, Mm -hmm. we would not be making shoes by children. Right. This would be the outcome of your degree program at Tuskegee. You get a job at the BMO plan where you get to make shoes for a livable wage in Alabama. I don't know. Maybe that's harder than I maybe that's harder than I recognize. And maybe I'll find out soon, you know? Yeah. Maybe maybe organizing labor is harder than I recognize and I'll be blessed with the opportunity to figure out very quickly. We got any comments, sweetheart, or what are your thoughts? Uh, Kendall said, the goal for a lot of people is to survive and the old blueprint for survival in America is eat or be eaten. That's true. Yeah. And then Micah says, I think the goal should be for individuals to be able to make genuine, non-categorized decisions without systematic limitations, a.k.a. maybe there's no big plan. Maybe I just like Reebok and $50 million. True. That's real. <laughs> True. That's yeah. Uh, maybe I just like Reebok and fifty mil. <laughs> cool. I work there for a year. Yeah. Like Shaq don't need another job though. My God. <laughs> this man is everywhere. This man is everywhere. That's all right though. Because that's also liberation. I don't want to be one of the people that's like, oh, here are the rules of liberation and they don't include working at Reebok. I guess that's a choice. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Uh, that's what James Baldwin said. He said, don't create a world for us. Just give us an opportunity to make our own. And if niggas want to make their own world, working three o'clock on that's Wednesday at Reebok, night. do what you got to do. Huh? That's what I said last night. We were talking. Yeah. 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 We just want a chance. Yeah. Right. All right, sweetheart, you know what time it is. Mm-hmm. You know what time it is. You, what time is it? I'm not going to sing it. Come on, I need to hear it. Come on. You talking about, mm-hmm, what time is it, sweetheart? Let me hear it. Let me hear it. <laughs> Burning question. Yeah. 
Appreciate that, sweetheart. It is time for the burning question. What you got for me? Um. Okay, if you were in the position of Shaq and AI, if you were presented the opportunity to, I guess, be the president or vice president of, not necessarily Reebok, but, you know, it could be a shoe company or just a big major brand, how would you respond? Would you want that role? Would you try and transition that into something else? Would you just want to buy the company? If I was Shaq? Yeah, or just or just BMO. <laughs> Okay, that's the difference. Okay, there's a difference there. Okay. Because what I hear from what I hear from capitalists or people who use money to make more money is that losing money is not an option. Yeah. We started today's show by telling you uh, and our audience and America <laughs> that I risked my rent <laughs> to put on shows for artists and failed. <laughs> the shows happened. Oh yeah. Uh, the but shows the, were great. The shows are great. <laughs> great shows, man. Great shows. Great shows, man. man. <laughs> great shows. Do not do not regret uh show and tell four. Do not regret out of bounds. Speakeasy situation one, two, and Shout three. Shout out to heaven and hell. Huh? <laughs> Shout, out to Shout out to heaven and hell. Shout out to my man Mahari who was selling them um, <laughs> pine saw yeah. Manhattans. <laughs> my man Mahari had the uh, had the rail liquors and he had the cleaner right next to the rail liquors and sometimes he'd miss. <laughs> sometimes instead of vodka, you got pine saw and that was at heaven and hell, son. <laughs> Shout out to that pregnant lady who stole my money at the door. (laughs) (laughs) Stole my rent money at the door. Ain't that some shit? (laughs) Oh, man. Shout out to the artist who wanted an extra $200. And I was like, all right, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) You got it. So if I was in Shaq's position... If I was in Shaq's position, I guess I'd take the opportunity where I could be profit, where I could be individually profitable. Okay. But if you suddenly made me a 800 millionaire mm-hmm. and Reebok called me and said, hey, we're trying to revitalize the basketball uh, portion of our business, I would ask them back how much of that business, how much of your business is basketball? Yeah. And they say, oh, I don't know about 20%. Then I say, let me buy 20% of your company. That's what I say. Okay. <clears throat> let me buy 20% of your company and then I will helm this transition. I'm not necessarily about to, you know what I'm saying? I'm not going to work here, nigga. You're not going to give me no damn lanyard. I'll tell you that. <laughs> the fuck? I'm not going to take no employee it, photo. The fuck? Yeah. I'm not signing no I'm not signing no contract, nigga. We, when you getting your dividends, that's when I'm getting my dividends, brother. That's exactly when that's happening. <laughs> Um, you gonna be on the board. I'm on the board. Yeah. <laughs> and as I told you, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm on the board, and then I'm opening a seat for uh, <laughs> for my most ratchet descendant, <laughs> my most ratchet uh, family member. I got. I'm opening the board for. <laughs> what I said, jail. What'd you say, jail, old or 
incompetent. Yep, jail, old, or incompetent. I don't care. <laughs> I, don't, I don't care. Uh, so that's, I mean, that's what I would do, but I'd feel like that's the, that's how you lose money, maybe? Maybe that's a more long-term strategy. Mm. Okay. But and at the same time, like, what's to stop me from making? Well, I guess. I guess Adidas owns those two shows, those two shoes that I showed you. Yeah. They own that, so I can't, I can't do the Air Kaiway and just make my own replica and put a lightning bolt there. Yeah. But shit, maybe try to buy the shoe. True. You know, maybe try to buy the silhouette. I don't know. I feel like there's just better ways. And I thought Shaq owned part of Reebok already. Right. <laughs> Whatever. Mm. We got the comments, we got. Who would you do? I would definitely want to be on the board. I'd want ownership. I would not want to be an employee. Um. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I would need some type of residuals, so. Yeah. 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 Put the governance thing back up. Because here's here's where maybe my theory is wrong or I'm getting confused. I feel like Shaq and AI are still being used as black avatars, which is tokenism. Exactly. Like, I feel like the next step we're talking about is least independence, which is like, at least give me like some equity in the shit. Right. But I feel like if I got to work there. Right. <laughs> definitely feels like tokenism. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I'm going to think more on that. Yeah. That might be a new blueprint. Mm-hmm. Still feels like tokenism. Because joking, because Jordan, Jordan's a tokenism. This is a very, very strong symbol of a token is Michael Jordan. Right. Not today. All right, y'all. We appreciate you joining us for another episode of Awake and Make We Be Mo. Yeah. On Thursday, we're going to do the Paul Robeson Negro of the Week. We're going to talk about the Crown Act and how this boy is being removed from this high school because of his hair. Although the Crown Act is already passed. Ain't that some shit? It's crazy. Ain't that some shit. We're going to talk about it on Thursday. On Thursday, we're also going to talk about Jada, which means we're going to have another Paul Robes and Negro of the Week nominee. That's right. I said it. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. I said it. Uh, so, uh, let's do that. You can always catch the instant replay right here on YouTube and X. Check out the audio podcast wherever you listen to your audio podcast. Definitely listen to Tell Her This Podcast. That joint is good. I just saw on the break, in the meantime, in between, my our, our, our man Pardon Me With P is coming back. We might have to have a specific segment on Pardon Me With P clips, to be mm-hmm. honest with you. This nigga got banger after banger. Definitely go visit the new Blueprint Podcast. Thank y'all for listening to another episode of Wake and Bake With B-Mom. I'm going to leave you with my man Detroit Rivers, that black boy Joy. We'll see y'all on Thursday right here at 8 a.m.-ish. Good morning. Hold on, let this feel as
slip away and see the yeah, happy feelings. Breaking Beverly and May, don't be amazed. Find yourself, learn your joys and pain. Live your voice and sing. The sounds in your heart, don't you worry about a thing. And don't forget your lyrics. This is a reminder of joy every time you hear it. Just learn about this joy. Smile, you can wear it. Contagious, won't you share it? Wow. 